Hello, everybody. Welcome to a kind of a special little live stream. I'll have a guest. I'll introduce him on in a minute. But uh, let me go through my normal spiel to get everything ready. Welcome to Break the Cycle with DSD. I am your host, Dwayne. I am not a therapist, I, nor am I an attorney. I'm an individual much like you who has gone through a tough experience where I developed some tips and techniques that I that I use to help me get my life back, to minimize the damage uh, of a toxic ex, help strengthen the relationship with my kids, and just get my life back on track. Remember, only a licensed professional can diagnose somebody with a personality disorder, so be careful throwing around the terms. When you do that, you risk your own credibility, and that is the one thing that we have in this experience is our credibility. So don't give it away just to try to tell everyone that you figured your ex out. If you like what's going on here and you want to support the channel, consider becoming a channel member. You can do that by scrolling down and looking for the join button. And when you do that, you get special badges, custom emojis, your name listed in the credits, access to member-only events, and a special member-only Discord that uh, we can hang out and talk on. If you want to get a note text notification whenever I go live, like today, text DSD Live to 1-844-598-0012. That's DSD Live, all one word. 844-598-0012. And I am going to attempt to have the phone lines on so we can uh, field questions to today's guest. If you want to do that, you can dial in at 1424-373-5483 or 1424-DSD-LIVE. If you're outside of the United States and you uh, want to use the web interface, scroll down in the video description. You'll see a link from there, you'll be able to use your computer or your mobile device to dial into the show. One thing I will just say about the dial-in is there is a little bit of a delay, so sometimes you'll hear me talk over people or people talk over me. We're not being rude to each other. It's just one of those technical issues that just adds a little bit of complexity into the thing. And on that, I am really excited to introduce today my guest, who is John Steinbeck from Brainwashing Children. Hey, John, how are you doing today? Great, Dwayne. By the way, thanks for all your help today. If they only, if your audience only knew what we had to do to get this working, but thanks again. You did it. We, uh, if uh, that's funny on that, the uh, uh, we we were planning to do this actually two hours ago. We were planning to be live two hours ago. We ran into some technical difficulties. I think we got well. Apparently, it looks like we got it all worked out. But uh, for people so. who for people who don't know, John runs the Brainwashing Children Facebook group. It's got about forty thousand followers, with about one point five million views. He's also got a companion YouTube channel that's slowly growing, and uh, John's focused on helping basically parents deal with parental parental alienation and how to really restore relationships when they've gone south. So every time someone calls me or has a question where they're like, I'm trying to, to figure out how to get along with my, or, you know, rebuild my relationship with my 18, 19, 20 year old child, John, you're always the guy I go to. But if you want to just tell a little bit about yourself for people who haven't heard you before, go ahead and uh, tell us about yourself. You bet. I'll make it really fast. Um, uh, I was alienated for my son. Um, he was alien for me for about four years and I decided to fight back because the legal system didn't help me. The so-called professionals in the mental health industry didn't help me. So I read all the books I could and those didn't really help. So I just 
used some of the things I read from those books and just came up with what I thought were common sense tactics. For example, is I put a list on a piece of paper of all the things the alienator was doing. And I just on the opposite side wrote, okay, well, I'm gonna do the opposite. So uh, I figured the best way to counteract this is, is, uh, is get aggressive in fighting back, learning all I can, and then being the opposite human that I was portrayed as being the opposite father that I was being portrayed as I decided, you know, the best way to counteract that would be to create a big disconnect in my son's head between what he's being taught about me and told about me and what he's actually experiencing. So I wrote my book brainwashing children about 10 years ago, and then jumped into the social media scene, mostly on Facebook. I'm trying to get a grip on YouTube, um, and follow, follow you, but, um, it's been, it's been a great helping other people. Um, recover. And I'm a very much an optimist, optimistic person in this field. A lot of people say, no, you can't recover. I disagree. You can. Um, every situation, of course, is different. And the timelines vary. Mine, I think, was pretty quick in a matter of three or four years. But yeah, so that's why I'm um, here. I'm, I'm a big advocate in, uh, in I, not removing children from their fathers and mothers' lives unjustifiably. I, I pulled up on the screen, so anybody who's watching the video, you'll see the book that he's talking about. Uh, and, and you know, one of the things I just wanted to—you you, kind of touched on it, but I just want to uh, to just mention—is your situation. I mean, we've talked. I mean, John and I have been friends for a few years now, I guess. Now that I think about it. But uh, this has not been easy. I mean, this wasn't one of those things where you figured it out and you just mm. everything you did worked fine. There were a lot of ups and downs, and oh, yeah. you've you've been able to systematically with very targeted action, basically, to to ba reconnect with your son and. Mm repair that relationship. And, and I mean, I'm sure there were times where you thought, that, Oh my God, I've there's no way I, it's too far gone. Yeah. And I won't be able to pull it back. Right. Yeah. There's one point where my son was about 12 or 13, all the drama, his life for my visitations with him on the alternating weekends, I just said, to him, say, look, I know that you love me and I love you and I just need a break and I need you to break. So when you want to see me, you reach out to me. And I, it was about two and a half, three months, but three and a half about that time later, he reached out to me. So I did need that emotional pullback. And as it turned out my situation, it worked great for both of us. Yeah. I, I you know, it's funny you mentioned that there was somebody who, who just the other day was talking about that. They were, it was a, it was a mom getting alienated from the kids and they said, okay, fine, I'll take a break. And you know what? I think three or four months later, the kids still hadn't reached out to him. And mm -hmm. if you're in that situation where you're not, let's say you had done that. And a two months later, he mm -hmm. hadn't, hadn't reached back out to you. What do you, what approach would you have taken to try to, uh, you know, keep, keep the yeah. dialogue going? That's a great question. In that situation, I, cause I'd already, I remember thinking about that. If he wouldn't reach out within three or four months, I would ping him. So even though you give them the reins, um, in the end, you have to be the adult in the room and reach out, whether it's once a month, once every other month, you got to have something just going, you know, completely cold for, let's say six months or a year would, I would definitely not advise that because then they could, it fits in the narrative that you don't care. Oh yeah. No, that's a great point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's one thing is I've, I've advised people in that situation mm -hmm. to where, you know, you, and you got to be really careful how you respond, right? So like, if you do reach out, you can't, 
mm-hmm. what my thought, and I'll ask your opinion of this. You know, you don't want to go, oh, I was, you know, I, I drove past a place we used to go and I think about you so much because in my mind, it's like you do, those communications cannot even have the appearance of guilt mm-hmm. or trying to mm-hmm. tug at the heartstrings because it's like yeah. they're, the kids are primed for, mm-hmm. for that type of uh, response, right? Mm-hmm. I have never told my son that I miss him. And before you guys jump out of your seats, here's why. When you say, oh, I miss you, I miss you so much, it pulls in our heartstrings like you said. I do not want that emotional, that type of um, resonance in him. So mm-hmm. I, I use these words. I say, hey, I had a great time with you. I can't wait to see you again. I use that kind of language because I knew that the whole, I miss you, even though it's true, it just makes them feel guilty and it puts them back in the middle again. So that's one tip that I teach is stop using the word. Of course, they know you miss them if you're reaching out to them. So don't use that word because it triggers more yeah. um, uh, double-minded thinking in their brain of, of, of having to be, be in the middle and, and face one parent on one side and the other parent on the other. So I don't advise using that word, for instance. No, I think it's a great point. I, you know, I, I remember, I mean, I dealt with a lot of this uh, as a child in my own life with the alienation I had with my, with my dad. And I was primed for him to say the wrong thing. You know, anytime he said anything, which he didn't really talk too negative. I mean, he, later he got more angry towards towards my mom and made some comments mm-hmm. that probably weren't so helpful. But it, it's really bizarre because we're stuck as a parent. You're stuck in this mode where you have to really kind of thread the needle, so to speak, in a, in a very specific way because your own actions and words mm-hmm. can just derail everything. What do you think about that? Yeah, that's, that's very, yeah, that's very true. Um, and all, since you're under the, under the microscope, one small slip up you say can really be a setback because remember oh, yeah. they're twisting everything that you say to begin with. So you can be the ultra perfect parent and there's no such thing and make a small little mistake or show up five minutes late. And now they claim that you don't really care. If you really cared, you'd be there five minutes early every time. You know, just things like that. It just, it's nonstop emotional aggression and um, emotional abuse on the behalf of that parent doing this. It's just wrong. And, it, you, and it, my heart bleeds for those kids that have to deal with this because it ends up affecting them on one, well, one way or the other. There's no such thing as a kid that receives all this emotional abuse that comes out at 18 as a, yeah. a completely normal human, human being. It just does it, not happen. Well, and I'm sure you relate to this, is that kids that go through this are going to be emotionally delayed anyway. So your your 18, 19-year-old mm-hmm. child is not emotionally going to be an 18 or 19-year-old equivalent. They're probably going to be 14 or 15. They're going to have a, they're going to need a, yeah. need a little bit more time to uh, to mm-hmm. <laughs> to finish cooking, so to speak, before they're as Chris Godinez says. Sorry for interrupting. Um, no, as go Chris for it. Godinez says. Um, it's called fleas of the abuser. They get yeah. fleas from the abuser. So they are, they are going to have some other traits, unfortunately. And even when they recover one day, you know, it's, I mean, I'm sorry if you, if somebody's emotionally abused weekly, 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 daily, monthly, there is going to be unfortunately some after effects and that's, and that's sad in itself, which is why I call this kind of abuse so damn evil. It is evil. It is. I mean, it, it cause it, the problem is, is that you're, you're hurting, obviously, the other parent. 
But more importantly, a person that's doing this is hurting their own kid. They're setting that mm -hmm. child up to repeat these patterns, mm -hmm. potentially uh, you know, go into another relationship and do the exact same thing and have a whole nother generation or a whole nother group of people mm -hmm. that are, that are mm -hmm. affected by this. I mean, that's why I think it's mm -hmm. so important what you're doing with the information you're out there to try to help I me mean, and with what I'm doing too, is to break this cycle because I think there is a way, I think there is a way to reconnect with our children to mm -hmm. heal those wounds that, are, that have happened and break mm -hmm. the damn cycle so it just doesn't keep going on and keep mm -hmm. repeating. Mm -hmm. And I think the odds are really good when one of the two, two parents is not personality disordered or have a personality disorder and that person is calm and like I said earlier, they're the opposite of the, of the crazy ex. I think the odds are very good, not in all cases, of course, um, and I, I don't like hearing those cases of people that have been alienated for 15, 20, 25 years. But I think if you do the right things over time, children have a need to be connected with their biological parents, Absolutely. especially if you keep pinging them, you know, with an email here and there or a call or, hey, uh, you know, hey, I saw your dad the other day and, and he was he said he was, uh, you know, he was asking questions about you, stuff like that. So, yeah, you just can't give up. That's my biggest tip, I guess, in everything I teach is that you can't just throw in the towel. Take a break for a while like I did. But yeah. um, don't just throw in the towel because now you just feed completely the narrative that you don't give a crap about them. You know, John, that's exactly the situation my dad was in. He was so frustrated. And for his own emotional sanity, he he started putting hard blocks uh, with between us, with my relationship with him. And the way it looked to me is that he didn't care that he didn't, you know, the, yeah. the, the stuff that was being said, like, oh, it's so sad. Your mm -hmm. dad's such a piece of garbage that he doesn't care about you, mm -hmm. that he only cares about, you know, insert whatever thing he has to be doing at the time. And as a, as a child, even as I started becoming an adult, it just, it, it with, with that vacuum of, of information or lack of information, I guess, or interaction, it just, in my mind, it's like, okay, it's true. Now, the crazy part was, mm -hmm. is even with that, I kept reaching out, wanting to have a relationship with him. And, uh, you know, I mean, unfortunately it took me to go through my own situation to basically, like I was talking about before, repeat the damn cycle. And now mm -hmm. I'm living at one point, you know, I'm looking at it, realizing I'm living my dad's life, dealing with mm -hmm. the same crap. Mm -hmm. Finally at like 42 for, well, maybe 44 years old, I had an epiphany where I'm like, holy crap, I now understand everything my dad did i mean didn't necessarily i wish he would have made different decisions but i understood sure. why he did it you know mm -hmm. it's just crazy yeah and fa and and fathers aren't I, I would say naturally gifted at at doing the right things in this in the parenting things in this form of abuse uh we need help we need somebody like you somebody like me to give some answers other people on the internet chris godinas i think is great on oh, youtube yeah. for getting some solutions advice and and honestly you're always gonna have setbacks um I did. I can think of right now two things that I said that I should have never said. But hey, I'm human. I make mistakes. And in the end, I just kept forward, forging ahead and knowing that that uh, one day this is, all my efforts are going to pay off. Um, that's the kind of attitude I recommend people have. It, well, and, and that's see, and here's the hard part. It's holding on to that hope that it is going to pay off when you're seeing 
evidence or you're seeing actions that, that make you question it makes it so tough. I mean, I, I know even for me at the early parts of it, when I was doing this, I, I used to think, oh my God, maybe when I'm, when, maybe when my kids are 30, they'll realize what I, you know, what I was trying to do, but it does seem to happen sooner than we think. Don't you think? Yeah. I think for people that are really concerned about it and they keep, they, they stay in the game that, that narcissistic X wins the battles, but in the end we, we win the war. I really believe that. And keep in mind, the child has a spirit that wants to be connected with you deep down, despite yep. all the lies, even a parent that's in jail, kids have that same type of feeling for, um, it's just not natural to permanently forever discard a parent. Like I said, it does happen, but I think it happens very rarely. Um, and I think our biggest mistake is checking out completely. And if we don't do that and we keep, as I say, pinging them through friends or through other family members, um, let them know that you're there. And yeah. if you don't know where they are, that's one other topic we could talk about another time. If you like, you really don't know where they are at all on this planet, but you know, alienation is a sense of kidnapping. So just like yeah. you'd go to the police and you'd, you'd make the efforts to get your kidnapped kid child back. You got to do the same thing with parental alienation for sure. I got another question for you. I've, and I'll, hopefully I can remember it enough to where if the person watches this, they'll hear it. But uh, there's a gentleman I've been working with who's older, son's in college, and uh, you know alienation is taken taken hold. And but there's still communications. But the communications typically are whenever he talks to his son, the son is just poking him in the eye. You know, it's like you know, Dad, you're always talking mm -hmm. about these old times, and and you know, and you're bringing up things that I don't want to hear about. And you know, you're you know, mm -hmm. you know, you're horrible. And you know, when you have see to me in that in that my, my, to me in that situation, the fact that there's still a dialogue is a good sign. But if you're in that mode where it's just really mm -hmm. contentious and everything, you know, every time you talk to them, the kids basically just taking their finger and jab it in your mm -hmm. eye. What would you recommend mm -hmm. someone to do? How do you how do you try to turn that around? You're 95 percent of the way there if they still talk to you, if you still see them. I mean, you are so far ahead of the game. So many parents out there watching this will go, man, if I only had that situation. No, you're there. Here's what my first advice is. Quit talking about the alienation. Quit talking about the other parent. No negative uh, comments at all about anything. Say, hey, how was your week? What's going on? Ask them questions. Here's a, another tip for you. Narcissistic parents who are, we're dealing with do not ask questions. It's all about themselves. So by you being that parent that's inquisitive, for example, um, I asked my, uh, uh, my nephew the other day because I don't know anything about TikTok. I said, hey, show me this. I, I don't understand it. I know it's the latest craze. So he spent five minutes showing me TikTok. Things like that, engage them and don't talk about the drama. There's, there are so many things even today I'd love to ask my son questions about, but I just don't bring it up because if yeah. he doesn't bring it up, then I don't think it's value added to our relationship to bring it up. I'm all about having a good time and creating a good memory to where he, he thinks, you know what, I want to see my dad again. And that's what I created over the last, uh, let's see now, 10 years or so. No, I think that's a great point. I mean, and the, and the reality is, is it, See, I think the thing that people forget is that kids, they have a lot of guilt and shame associated with this. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, if they've been alienated and they feel bad about it, another parent, being reminded of it or being having it brought up every time makes it to where it's uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. 
You know, I mean, and so I think that's yeah. kind of the catalyst to where you can get yourself into trouble because if it's like, mm-hmm. okay, well, I want to, I want to talk to my dad, but every time I talk to my dad, I feel like, I feel like crap. So it's yep. just easier to believe the narrative and believe he's a, you know, believe he's a scumbag and minimize contact. I think. Yep. Uh, you have to have, I'm sorry. I had no, crosstalk with you. Yeah. You have to be the house, the safe house. Remember, an alien's house is a house of drama and chaos. You're the opposite. You're, you're a safe house. Even though there's things that you're dying to ask, dying to get off your chest, that's not the venue. Your venue is, is peace. Peace in the house. Because that's the one thing that these parents that do this, there's not peace in the house. Look how they lash out at not just you, but everybody else in their orb. From school administrators to to a waitress who doesn't get the order right. They're not nice people. So <laughs> yeah. by just, <laughs> so just by being contrasting that and that way, you really come out ahead and then check my battery, make sure it's not dying. So nope. well, what I think I just want to want to mention on that is I think one thing that you also have to remember, especially if you're dealing some with somebody that you either is diagnosed with a personality disorder or you strongly suspect, I mean, if they follow the mm-hmm. pattern of behavior, Mm-hmm. Let them destroy themselves. You know, there are so many times where, I mean, I've had mm-hmm. some convert, like in my situation, I've had conversations mm-hmm. with my son because he's a little bit older, so he's asking different questions. And I'm not necessarily disparaging saying, oh, your mom's a piece of crap. It's like, mm-hmm. well, this is the type of stuff she does. And then she keeps proving it. Let them, mm-hmm. let these people prove yeah. it to themselves. I mean, like, like you said, I mean, they don't really care about their children. They're accessories. They're mm-hmm. not invested in their interests and whatnot. So, so allow, like you said, John, just l- allow your environment to be that stable, peaceful mm-hmm. environment that they can just relax and they don't have to worry mm-hmm. about judgment or, or any mm-hmm. of those things and let the other parent show their ass, for lack of a better word. Yeah, and that contrast, kids even the, uh, as young as five and six can sense that. Kids oh, yeah. can sense drama in a household. They can sense peace in a household. So just that kind of stuff. I, I felt at the time that that was so good for him. And I just knew that down the road, this will pay dividends because kids are, kids have intuition. They have that, you know, God given sense, um, oh, yeah. or whatever term you want to call it. Their spidey sense. Kids, mm-hmm. kids are, kids are smart. They get it. And by refusing to talk about the drama, there, there are exceptions to that rule, but generally refusing to talk about the drama they know now oh i get to spend this weekend with mom or dad like deep down they're like this is gonna be awesome break because it's gonna be a break it's gonna be well said yeah well said let me see i'm gonna look at a couple of the comments that are that are coming in oh and for anybody who is watching this live let me hit the right button here uh the phone lines are open if you want to ask john a question Call in 1424-373-5483 or 1424-DSD-LIVE, and uh, you can uh, talk about your specifics. Uh, the other, let me see, I'm going to punch this in, and, or actually, I'll leave that up. And let me see, there is a comment I wanted to grab. Uh, Cindy says, yes, jabbing you in the eye is from pain. Many times it's misdirected at those who know deep down inside still love them. And very true. You know, I mean... Yep. I, I, I would say the other thing that's kind of interesting about this is it seems like the safer parent or the non-toxic parent, the kids lash out at more. And I, it, it really seems like it's because it feels safer to do it. 
which sucks. It sucks for, for the right, target. They've learned that. Right. Cause they've learned that when they speak back to that, um, the alien that there's held up, there's a, there's a price to pay. <laughs> yeah. It's, there is it's a held, price to pay. pay. Yeah. So even though it makes no sense, why would they treat someone that way who doesn't treat them that way? Yeah. That's, that's basically what happens. And, uh, the, the uh, the comment is correct. They transfer that anger on you because you're the safe parent. Uh, Katrina says, that's beautiful. The child has a spirit that naturally wants to be connected to the other parent. And it's absolutely true. And we have to believe, we have to kind of remember that and keep mm -hmm. that as a guiding principle, I think. Correct. Now, now the flip side to that, the other, ha the other half of that is they are also still going to want to have a connection with that other toxic that we consider toxic parent mm -hmm. and i'm sure in your situation just like with my kids yours mm -hmm. i'm sure your son probably still has a relationship with his mom and that's that's okay yeah and to that end i mean i have every christmas um uh, is with her and i've never complained about that because i with this whole thing you have to pick your battles and that's just not one battle i've ever wanted to pick but that goes to your point absolutely i mean and that's another reason why i've never smeared her i've never you know, spoken about her with disgust or anything like that. It's because that's his mom. You know, um, you always have to honor that parent as being their parent, no matter what they do. Even if that parent ends up in jail, you still don't sit down there and sit the child down and start smearing that parent because they're in jail. Instead, you say things like, you know, apparently your dad made, made some really bad choices. You know, see yeah. how that's different than denigrating them and smearing them and, and um, taking away their honor. You're right, man. And what and and I'll tell you, I mean, I didn't necessarily do well in that in the beginning. I, I, for me personally, when I saw the alienation the alienation starting, and I knew that the whole plan was to get full custody and move out of state to where I'd never basically see the kids again, I was terrified, and I was trying to I was trying to actively fight the narrative that was being set against me. And in retrospect, now I realize that had I not done that and just focused on building the best relationship and the most stability, I would have, it would have paid off much sooner because of what I was trying to do. The kids felt more stress. They felt more anxiety. They, I mean, mm -hmm. so it made every, it actually just made everything worse. Mm -hmm. I don't yeah. know if you dealt with that. It sounds like you didn't have, you, you had a better handle on that than I did at the beginning. No. I had two anger outbursts. One was when the judge against my lawyer's recommendation interviewed our son when he was 10 or 11 as to what, what are his preferences, even though that's, that's wow. not even under Texas state law. I live in Texas. And when I found out, um, cause I had him afterwards, when I found out what he told the judge, I, I blew a gasket and, yeah. um, and obviously I apologized pretty quickly thereafter for my hot burst, but Hey, we're human, man. And we're, no, yeah, we're exactly. being attacked. So don't, don't beat up yourself when you make mistakes. Um, you know, in the end, the child, I'm convinced of this, the child or children will over time see who the normal range parent is and who the parent that's not normal range. Yeah. One thing I'd also mention that's, that's kind of tough on this is that kids don't understand the significance of what they're saying, right? So I'm sure what your son okay. said, you know, today he probably, well, you probably want to bring it up, but, but at the time right. for a 10 year old or a 13 year old to understand mm -hmm. 
the significance of, of appeasing mm-hmm. the other parent to tell them what they want to hear, not realizing that's, that's what the consequences that's a good point. Are. He had absolutely no, yeah, he had absolutely no idea what he was saying. And that's why it was so unfair for me to uh, react the way I did. But yeah. Um, yeah, it's just, you know, what's interesting just thinking about, it. I remember I did a, uh, um, an interview with Dizzy Lerner from, uh, oh, I can't remember what the, the name of the, the documentary was. But one of the things that came up in that is that his daughter had actually said in in that interview, whenever she was questioned and said, oh, I don't want to be around my dad, you know, she didn't believe it, but just said it because she thought she had to. So I think what Mm -hmm. people need to realize, too, is if something like that happens Mm -hmm. and it feels just devastating because you feel like you've been rejected Mm -hmm. or you feel like you've lost your kid, you Mm -hmm. have to keep in mind that these Mm -hmm. kids are going through torture. They're basically you know, they're just trying to survive and they don't have the, the Mm -hmm. emotional maturity to understand Mm -hmm. how to best help themselves because they just, they're too young. Yeah. And that's why it's so abusive to, for them to be forced into that position by one of the parents. It's just awful. Keep them out of it. (laughs) It's not their fault. The marriage or the relationship didn't last. Keep them out of it. All right. I'm going to, I'm looking for another comment. Um, Cindy says, yes, a relationship with a toxic parent, but not always. So when, whoops, a child gets older and finally gets free, quote unquote, from the toxic one, uh, that, well, she says that was, I'm not sure. Oh, that was her case. And I hate to say, you know, hey, you know, when they become older, they can come back. But sometimes it does take them being able to not be, to not be living in that environment, to not have to constantly be appeasing a toxic parent to be able to to have the freedom, I guess, to reach out and show the other parents some attention. Well, cause then they can keep it private, right? I mean, they don't have to turn around and say, Oh, I went and saw, you know, dad or mom the other day. Think of it like this. It's like a cult they're in. So how do you get somebody out of a cult? You have, you have to remove them from the cult. That's the antidote antidote to cults. And, Parental alienation is like a cult type thing happening to them. So the further they end up away one day from that toxic parent, the more quickly they recover. And uh, what I've seen all the time, if they're living in the same household up until 25, yeah, you you face an uphill battle, much more so than if the child moved out of the house and was living, let's say, a couple cities or states away. Yeah, that's a great point. And and I, you know, and the thing is on that, I think if you're in that point where you're trying to rebuild it, you just have to take it slow. You can't expect overnight success. I mean, it would be outstanding if it, if it did happen that way. Mm-hmm. And you just have to, like John, you were just saying, I mean, just keep showing up in, a, in an effective way, right? I mean, you don't want to be like texting every day uh, or, or, you know, you got to gauge it. You got to measure it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't want to be a nuisance. You don't want to show up to their <laughs> to their uh, high school when they're a senior and embarrass them in front of all their friends. So remember me, yeah, I'm your yeah, dad. Yeah. <laughs> You're supposed to be excited to see me. I mean, I've had a parent tell me he did that. I'm like, no, oh, no. you cannot do that. <laughs> you have to, like you said, baby steps a little bit at a time. So let me see if there's any, uh, can you see the comments on your end or not? I'm not sure if you can. Nope. Not, not really. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's see. 
Angela says, core trauma from our narc parents created trauma bonding and codependency, even if it was done silently, which is really true because it normally is, uh, mm -hmm. surreal feeling, eggshells, it leaves you feeling unsafe, uncomfortable, and in danger. And the thing I would add on that is it's a prime, well, I can, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I can see the comments now. That's a great, great comment. You can tell she's lived through it before. Oh, yeah. Um, trauma bonding, codependency. Yeah. Fear, obligation, guilt. They throw those at our children. Oh, yeah. Uh, fog. Fear, obligation, guilt. Oh, I hadn't heard that one. That's good. I, the other thing, you know, and what I was going to say on this is that that primes you with uh, complex post-traumatic stress disorder. You'll get to the point later in life that you'll have these emotional reactions or, or emotional flashbacks and not even understand why. And it's, mm -hmm. you know, the, the see, that's what's so insidious about this crap is that it just it creates so much damage that that a person or a child takes into adulthood that then they have to unpack, uh, mm -hmm. or they're going to relive it and they're going to have you know bad relationships. And the other sad thing about this is that if you're raised like that and you you do happen to run into somebody that's a really good, loving, good person, good boundaries you know, no red flags, it won't feel natural because you're used to chaos and game playing and it won't feel, a lot of people sabotage good relationships because because of that childhood, mm -hmm. early childhood trauma, you don't, mm -hmm. it doesn't feel normal. It doesn't feel natural. Yeah. Well said, that's their normal. So that's what they gravitate to, even if the logic in their brain tells them that's not normal and that this is a good thing. It's, it's, it's really messed up how how uh, how that works i don't even quite understand it but yeah it's it's just one of those you know after effects of all the abuse there's so many different ways it affects them the rest of their lives i'm going to grab this one from jonathan it said my uh, my i'm assuming he says my son or child stopped calling me dad it took me a while to notice one thing i just want to throw out there and this is what's really this is the other part that's really tough about these situations even if you have the best marriage in the world you guys are the most stable wonderful people in the world teenagers can be buttheads and they can mm -hmm. they can do things that uh, just try your patience i mean i have mine it's 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 almost entertaining because there's times where mine will say i'll sit you know uh we'll be like oh i love you daddy and then you know i'll say something you know then you know two days later it'll be like hey i love you and it's just like meh you know, that gives me that that mm -hmm. that go to hell look and, and walks mm -hmm. out of the car. Mm -hmm. That doesn't necessarily mean that it's parental. I mean, that it's the evil ex, you know, doing the 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 pulling the strings. Sometimes it's just kids being kids, too. You know, so how That's what, would, what would you recommend in that situation? If you had a person who said, hey, you know, my son is now it won't even call me dad anymore. Um, how would you address that? Um, the connection got faded last five seconds. Can you repeat that, please? No, I was saying if you were in that situation where the you, uh, somebody was telling you, hey, my, my 13, 14, 15-year-old kid is not, won't even call me dad anymore, is calling me Bill, you know, how would you mm -hmm. uh, address that? Or how, what recommendations would you have for that? I don't like that at all. Um, I'd have to think that through on the name-calling thing. The overarching principle in my mind is pick your battles. You can't nip, you nip them on any everything. If that's the only thing that they're doing, um, 
I would tell them, um, Hey, I know it's cool for you to be calling me by my first name, but can you please, when you're at least here by them, you're giving the out of, okay, over the back of the other place, they can still call you by your name, John. But when you're here, can you please, I just call me dad and yeah. take up from there. Um, I, I don't believe in being a pushover. Um, to teenagers, even when they're oh yeah, no, it's a bad uh, coming from a narcissistic good. household. So plus, it gets to the boundary thing. They're not used to boundaries, so that's a boundary right there. If you tell them, "Hey, can you please?" and you said it nicely, and then if they continue to, you know, to ignore it, well, let them suffer some consequences. Uh, remember, you're being all the mud's being thrown at you, anyways. So why not just do the right parenting technique? <laughs> that's funny. I. <laughs> I <laughs> love that. The thing I'll add on to that or the thought I'll, I'll say on that and, and, and you hit you you mentioned at the beginning is you really have to pick your battles. You have to look at in my opinion, everything you look at, look at the long game, look at it from a from a battle slash war perspective. Mm -hmm. You know, you can pick every battle and you can win battles, but it'll mm -hmm. ultimately cost you the entire war. So you really have to to decide. And, and we are presented with double bind after double bind in other words there is no good solution you you let the kid get away with too much and there's a mm -hmm. consequence for that you push too hard you push them right back to the other parent i mean it, it is mm -hmm. it's it's, it's i call it's, it emotional it's emotional warfare it is it is and i think that, that y'all go ahead i was just gonna say and it's so unnecessary oh my I've, god oh my god um, yes i've I've got another uh, kid, uh, not the subject of alienation. I've taught both because I say when I say I have, when I tell both my kids this or teach both of them, be like, wait a minute, I thought you have one. Now I've got two kids. One was alienated, one was not, and I've been teaching them from the age of about eight or nine. There are two types of drama in this world: necessary and <laughs> unnecessary. Necessary is, of course, you know, car accident or someone's dying or something. Right. I, hey, we need to solve this now. That's necessary drama, but all this stuff that we're dealing with everyone is unnecessary drama. It's such BS because it's, it's all it is is abusing the kids. And for what, to what end? Well, we know what, to what end it's all yeah. about uh, power and control, but sorry for my rant there. No, no, I, I all it's unnecessary drama. I, I, you're, you're spot on with that. And I just want to, 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 to piggyback on that is it makes it so much harder than it needs to be, right? I mean, if if, if an ex wasn't hell bent on winning, and you know, and making you lose, and and a lot of times I don't even think it's necessarily that. It's that they only think about themselves, so in their mind you don't exist, so they they can just pretend you don't exist, and then there's just just cascade of catastrophe that that mm -hmm. follows be, behind it. But I'm sure everyone watching, and I'm sure you would agree that it's like. If you could just stop the stupid effing games and work together and, you know, mm -hmm. the kid would be so much better off prepared for life that it would be calmer, you know? Yeah. Okay. You guys didn't get along, but it's like every time mm -hmm. I see a story where it's just this shit show for lack of a better word for years mm -hmm. and years and years, it's like, it's mm -hmm. so stupid. I mean, it's just, mm -hmm. I mean, like you mentioned, John, you said, you know, you have two and, and your other, your other child, there's no issue. So I even, I mean, so for you, you got to an example of how it should work and and the success as a result of that and then how it doesn't work and the consequences of it mm -hmm. and and the and here's the thing 
I would imagine, let me ask you this. I would imagine that with the other, with the, the, the mother of your other child, it's been an, it, not necessarily easy, but comparatively, it's made mm-hmm. it, things just so much more easy probably in the last 10 years. Right? Yeah, I mean, we we worked so well together. Uh, uh, we co-wrote a book called uh, The Ten Commandments of Divorce Parenting. I mean, it's just a very small book, short book, but it's, That's awesome. <laughs> it's like 10 things that we did together. And um, you can't say that divorce has no impact on children it does well it does but i think yeah we've 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 worked well together and and our daughter for instance has never seen us fight ever never seen us disrespect each other and trust me we've had some major disagreements we've even been through the court system but guess what we never let her know about it so yeah it's it goes back to the contrast thing i keep talking about so yeah they yeah alien parents are good examples of bad examples and I'm telling you, um, you have to fight back. You can't lay down. Um, and over time, you will get some semblance of a, a relationship back. And that's what you, Dwayne, and I are here to help with and to um, you know, give an ear to and tell you guys there, there's light at the end of the tunnel for sure. There was in my case, and there was in so many cases. You know, and the thing I want to I say on that is – your ex didn't change. You know, there was light at the end of the tunnel, but it's not because she was held accountable in the court system or, you know, exposed mm-hmm. in the in the in the town mm-hmm. square. It mm-hmm. got better in spite of a person actively working to try to sabotage everything, right? Correct. Yep. Again, how does how do you get somebody out of a cult? Is you remove them from the cult? And you remove them from the leader and they actually get to see the real world. And um, that's kind of what you're doing. They're on their own at some point when they're adult and they're they're away from the daily, you know, beatdowns. And um, that's that's your way in. And back to also the spirit that they have deep down. All those little things. I mean, it's it's pretty complex, but yeah, but um, yeah, I I hope for most people out there. No, I'm glad you said that because I do, too. It's just. But but you have to make the right decisions. If you don't, if you lash out, mm-hmm. if you fight every battle, if you pick your battles incorrectly, mm-hmm. you can destroy mm-hmm. the relationship with your kids and you could ultimately mm-hmm. make it to where you never have a relationship. I mean, so it's not one of those things. You have to do, you have to work towards it and you have to be be strategic, I guess is a good way to say it, on what you do, Right. Yeah, if you, you come come in with guns blazing, hiring all the You're biggest hotshot lawyers and just go at, I mean, yeah, that's just, no, I don't recommend that at all. Because now you're coming across as a very aggressive, hostile parent, even if what you're fighting for is a, a lot of good things like visitation. Now they just don't like you. So yeah. be likable. That you was know, also it, on my side. I knew that I was yeah, likable to him. And by being a likable dad that one day it's going to outweigh the lies told about told uh, against me. I was talking to a friend of mine a uh, few few months well a few weeks ago back his ex is out of control and you know bad doing you know just doing all kinds of stuff and he was going to go for full custody. He was like, "You know what? There's been enough patterns of behavior that I can that I can mash the button." And uh, the, the thing that I always tell people is you you, you 
don't underestimate a toxic narcissistic person because I talked to him, you know, he mentioned that and I was talking to him, you know, a few weeks back and I was asking him how it went. He goes, well, I backed off because what happened is as soon as the mom in this situation realized what was happening, the pivot or the focus pivoted to the kids, guilt and shame to the kids. So the kids are like, you know, daddy, you're trying to take me away from mommy. You know, she's going to be alone, you know, all that stuff. And he's like, oh crap, I lost. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's, Mm -hmm. this stuff seems straightforward and oftentimes it's not. So you have to be really careful, you know, the, what you do and how you do it. I think your, your comment about being, I guess, I guess kind of what you're saying is, is do it with integrity, right? I mean, right. And control your emotions. And for us, men, that's, that's the hardest thing oh, it is. is to, to control our, our anger when yep. this is going on. Cause it's such unnecessary BS drama that's being whirled about in our own kids' heads and you just want to stop it and you just, but you got to watch your anger, uh, get some trusted people around you that are, you know, calm heads and, and ask, Hey, what do you guys think we should do on this? Um, and that's also working in your favor long-term is you have family. I'm assuming most of you guys have extended family trees. That's a, another way that's going to help lure them back when they realize they're not just spending time with you, but there's also spending time with your new, let's say spouse or, um, yeah half sisters, brothers, or whatever, um, uh, aunts and uncles, grandparents. That's also uh, very nice to have. If you do have that on your side, I'm going to grab this comment from Hami and it says my malignant narc wife has conditioned my 11 year old girl not to be friends with me in just a couple of years. So I do little things like write a note in her diary to reassure her of my unconditional love. And I think he's saying with its wife, I'm assuming that's happening while they're still married, but um, mm-hmm. I think it's yeah. just, that's a good example of just the little things just to kind of reinforce that, uh, that you're there and that you do care to counter that narrative that you don't. Right. Yeah. Yeah, man. Those little things matter. Um, that's a good one. I wouldn't put someone, I wouldn't put that in someone's diary, but a uh, little notes around or just little comments. Love. Uh, oh yeah. Good like, point. <laughs> uh, hey, I'm, I'm thinking about, <laughs> I'm thinking about you. Like I said, I never use the word miss. Cause it creates an emotional tension on their heart. I just say, Hey, had a great time thinking about you. Have a great week at uh, school. Yeah. I'll see you next weekend or whatever. Just very, uh, what's, oh. what's a good word to describe it. Just very, you know, blase, nonchalant, just non emotionally heavy statements. Yeah. I'm going to grab this other one from HC nine. It says uh, at DSD, what if they're calling you dad, but still also the ex is making the kids call someone else daddy also what's your thought on that well first of all it's 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 very mean it's very abusive um as long as they're calling you dad that's 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 You're a win winning. in my case yeah. and they know deep down that that's a stepdad and not a um not their real dad so on that one it sucks but i would not pick a battle on that as long as they're calling you dad the, the only thing the only caveat on that i would say potentially for picking your battles. If you're early on and you could have it written into the court order that a relation that, you know, a, a, no one else is going to be called daddy. I mean, if you could get it in there, but then it, even if you do that, then if it starts happening, then you have to make the decision of, are you going to go back and try to do a contempt case, contempt charge on it? Yeah. And I don't, it's, you got to decide if that's worth it. But John, I think you're right. right. I mean, I think it really, bo- and I say this a lot to people, it really boils down to on minus everything else that's happening. 
What is happening with you and your kid? When it's just you, the, the two of you by yourself, you don't have an external influence, you know, across the street or whatever. That is the gauge on how you're doing. And if that is okay, like you said, if they're still calling you dad, when it's just the two of you, you're winning. And you need to recognize that and you need to focus on that. Yeah, I totally agree. If they're calling you dad, mom, that's, that's great. If they're calling someone else dad, you don't like it. I don't, I don't like that feeling either. Um, but it's just, you know, you know what? I'm not going to fight that. He's calling me dad, so I'm good to go. You know, the crazy part is, is I, I, I just, I mean, okay, I don't necessarily like my ex, but I would never, I mean, I know I'm not married or anything like that, but I am in a long-term relationship. I would never say, call this other person mommy or, you know, whatever, you know, I mean, I would just, it's mm-hmm. like in my situation, it's Debbie. You call them Debbie. I mean, it's mm-hmm. not, you know, I mean, I, I don't, I, it's just, it blows my mind that people would even do that. Cause it just seems like it's so far out of, out of context for me that mm-hmm. I would never even consider it. It's two things. It's boundaries <clears throat> yep. and moral integrity. Yep. You've got it. Let's and she doesn't. I'm like looking at, um, Sahakuna says, uh, what is the best strategy when parental, parental alienation is 100%? How to break the cycle when the alienated parents has items such as protections orders against them? Oh, that's a good question. So effectively, like, so if you've, been, if you've gotten caught up in the silver bullet machine and you're currently under a protective order, what in the world do you do? That's a really good question. Um, again, uh, Dwayne, I've got a weak connection on my end. Ask the question. Uh, summarize it again. You got if, barbled, if garbled. All right. Can you hear me now? Yes. Test, test, test. Okay. So no, yeah, what I, well, the question was is if you're in the early stages of this and you've been hit with a protective order and a stay away order, what exactly are you supposed to do whenever you are effectively ordered to stay away from the ex and the children? Well, it depends. I mean, if it's a temporary one, yeah, you, you don't want to do anything that gets you thrown in jail right. um, or legal jeopardy. But um, I'm assuming she, that's not what she means as far as a protective order that's lasts forever. It's hard to I say. That's the case. I don't know if they if if uh, I would if you could get clarify a good lawyer, that. I can answer that. So my take on that is like what what John said. If you have a protective order, and I made a video about this a, a little while ago, do not violate that court order. And uh, because the surefire way to get yourself in jail or to turn that temporary order into a permanent order is to violate it. And, and your first focus has got to be getting, getting that thrown out as quickly as possible. If you make a mistake and it turns into a permanent order, then your next course of action would be to go to court and get some type of visitation, even if it's supervised so that you have some type of reoccurring connection. Now, we all know that if you only get a couple hours with your kid, you're not going to be able to undo parental alienation. But at that stage, what you're looking for is you're looking for some type of connection just so that the child isn't believing the false narrative that you don't care about them. Because I guarantee you in that situation, the other parent isn't saying, oh, pumpkin, you know, your dad's not coming to see you because you there's a stay away order because of that outburst he had. It's more than likely going to be, I don't know why your dad won't try to reach out to you. I mean, he should. Mm-hmm. I mean, any parent who mm-hmm. cared would, you know, that's more than likely mm-hmm. what's going to happen. So that's anything you want to add, add on to that? No, mm-hmm. I agree. 
All right, let me see if I can see anything. You know, you, you we're, we're kind of running up on a hard break, right? You got to get out of here in a little bit. I think we're. Yeah, I think my, my camera is going to die here in the next five minutes. All right, so we got. All right, let me see if I can find uh, find a quick last last one. I'm scrolling around. If you see anything that you think you want to hit, let me know. Uh, if you can see it, um, let's see here. Da, 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 da. I'm trying to find. There was one I wanted to hit. Let me see if this is it. Nope, I don't think it's that one. See, sometimes I forget to to grab these and and highlight them. Well. You know what? I think that I, th you know, I think that covers it. I know this was kind of impromptu. Uh, I appreciate everybody hanging out, John. If you want to tell some people about how to find out more about you, so they can go follow you on socials, uh, where can they find you? Yeah, on YouTube it's Brainwashing Children. On Facebook it's Brainwashing Children. On Amazon my book is Brainwashing Children. So uh, that's how you find me. Um, and if you just Google Parental Alienation in YouTube my stuff shows up in the top, top of the fold, bottom of the fold. And, um, I also talk about Munchausen syndrome by proxy, um, which unfortunately I, I had to deal with fighting that as well. So, uh, yeah, that's where you can find me. Uh, Facebook is where I'm at. Mostly I post a lot of memes on there about, uh, parental alienation and about narcissistic parents. And, uh, thanks for the chance today to talk to you finally and let's do more of these Dwayne now that I finally got my live streaming set up absolutely so on that what I want to do as I roll this out if the, if the button actually works is thanks everybody for hanging out with us and I really want to say thank you to all the channel members who help keep this channel going they're scrolling across the screen because I figured out how to do that today so thank you so much on that uh, guys uh, make sure you go check out John's stuff give him a subscribe give him a like and uh, let's keep the awareness going all right, take care.